0: All right. Welcome to Mac Geek Gab. And our quick tip of the week actually comes from me. You know, when you've got those uh, personal automations that you create in shortcuts on your iPhone and, you know, it's like if, if this happens, do that. Like turn on a light or turn on CarPlay or turn or not turn on CarPlay, but turn off Wi-Fi or turn off my battery or whatever. And it asks you before it runs every time. And that can be annoying. A lot of those, not all of them, but a lot of those, you can go into that automation. You go to the Shortcuts app, Automations tab in the middle there, at least that's where it is in iOS 16, and uh, and then choose your automation. And there is an Ask Before Running option. Turn that off, and it will no longer ask you before running. More quick tips like this, plus your questions answered today on Mac MacGeekCab984 for Monday, June 5th. 2023. (music) Greetings, folks, and welcome to Mac Geekab the show, where you send in your tips like that, your cool stuff found, your questions. We take all that stuff in that you send to feedback at macgeekab.com and we uh, share your tips. We share your cool stuff found. We try to answer your questions and we string it all together into an agenda so that it follows a little bit of a form that facilitates the system we've put together, ensuring that each of us learns at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include Collide at K-O-L-I-D-E slash M-G-G. Zero Trust, tailor-made for Okta. Great stuff. Also, ZocDoc slash M-G-G. The easiest way to find a great doctor. Go there, sign up for free, and download their app today. We'll talk more in depth about both of those shortly here for now. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Lee, New Hampshire, it's Pilot Pete. How goes it today, Mr. <clears throat> Pilot Pete? Not bad, but
1: somehow we both managed to get the same shirt. So we are both if you're wearing watching this, on if video. That's right.
0: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Two don'ts don't make a do. <laughs> Two don'ts don't make a do. You can get your MacGeekab shirt at MacGeekab.com slash merch if you are so inclined. Uh Absolutely. I say that we just dive right in, my friend. How's Let's that do sound? It. Okay. Uh, Chicago, Tom has our next quick tip, and it also is about, uh, shortcuts or related to shortcuts. Uh, he shared this in our discord. He said, this may sound kind of dumb. It doesn't. We, we, there are very few things. I was going to say, we've never had anything sent into the show that was dumb. I, I I, like if I'm going to be honest, that probably isn't true, but stuff like this tech stuff, never. We've had like other things like that aren't related to what we talk about here. Some of that's dumb. Tech stuff. Never done. Uh, he says, but I always forget to set my alarm at night. OK, no problem. Computers are good at this stuff, right? Uh, he says, I was poking around and discovered the automation section in shortcuts. One of the triggers for personal automations is sensibly enough alarms. So it was a snap to set up a shortcut triggered by turning the alarm off that toggled the alarm back on. So simple. I was ashamed I hadn't thought of it before. And this is a great example of what can be done With shortcuts, turn it off. It can you can make it turn back on again. You you know it's it's a it's kind of you know it's not the if this then that service because that's a different service, but it's the same sort of model. You just build these things and say, great, here's the trigger, here's the result, awesome. And of course, if you don't want it to ask you, go and do the thing we talked about before to turn it off. But I'm wondering, and this is clever, and I love this because it means we get to talk about the good the things that computers are good at. But I'm not sure it's necessary. Because wouldn't setting a recurring alarm keep it happy? Like, for example, we usually record Mac Geekab at we meet at 10 a.m. Eastern on uh, Friday mornings. So I have a time to make the podcast alarm for 847 a.m. on Friday mornings, and uh, it only goes off on Fridays and it goes off every Friday unless I turn the alarm off. But when it go like when it rings, if I hit stop, that doesn't turn it off. So, I, I'm wondering if a recurring alarm is more, uh, is a, a, a different type of solution. I don't want to say if it's better or worse. I mean, if your solution's working, then you know, it's hard to get much better than that. But, uh, I don't know, like that, that's my thought, or maybe using like a subset of Apple's sleep functionality, which by the way, can be super overwhelming when you dig into it, but it is possible to use Apple's sleep functionality without like all of the features and you can set different sleep patterns for different days i think doctors yell at us when when we do that but as a you know nerd and a musician my weekends have a very different sleep schedule than my weekdays usually and so i set sleep mode to come on automatically and i can set alarms as part of that to happen or not happen and you can change it for different days so like there's other ways to 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 solve this problem, but, but, you know, it's so, but if yours works for you, please keep using yours. Like, but there, there are different
1: types of alarms though on the phone that to be clear that that's something I just learned recently. There yes. are alarms that go off tomorrow. But like you said, there's the recurring alarms, and I think one is built in it's called like the wake up alarm.
0: Yeah that's the sleep like that. alarm. yeah, yeah. and it, like yeah. it's super customizable way more than I thought when I first looked into it. So
1: yeah, yeah, I was able to customize mine and it you know when it goes off, as soon as I turn it off, it'll tell me today's weather, it'll right. tell me, you know that kind of stuff like, well, hey, r-
0: And the reason it's doing that is because you're having sleep mode and simultaneously with that alarm yes. going off, right? So yeah, it, yeah it's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, well thought out.
0: It 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 is it, like I said when I first dug into sleep mode, I, I was I did not like it. Um, I, like it was just too much. But in the end, I I right now I like I use it. It's I use it every day. It's great. I probably
1: need to configure mine a little more because yep. I know that like my watch will take my temperature at night and that kind of stuff. Sure, sleep mode. But I tend not to use the sleep mode. Because it puts me in a complete do not disturb. And I want people to be able to get through to me.
0: But couldn't you set. I think you can. The sleep mode. Like if you go into uh, settings. What is it? In general is. No. uh, Focus. Settings focus. Focus, And go to sleep. Like don't go to sleep. Go to the sleep section. You can add people who are allowed to get through to you while you're sleeping. Yeah, I just haven't. You just need gone, to do, but yeah, it is just as customizable okay. as as everything else, so Good to know yeah, yeah, but yeah, the yeah.
1: other thing, well, you know what? I probably need to make sure I change my watch face too, because it changes my watch face, and I like the ultra watch that allows me to go into a red only mode. well, you can do that
0: you can have sleep focus customize your Perfect. uh your watch face. And you would set that on your phone. Yeah, no, I nice. just I just noticed. It was funny. I was yeah. about to say something like, hey, look what I just learned. And you asked if it was possible. You've been like, a blind squirrel, Dave. Yeah, man, absolutely. But I'm still
1: yelling at Apple, why can't I turn on my nightlight to red automatically when I'm in red mode on my watch?
0: Oh, you can't. Yeah, you no, have to be yet. in
1: theater mode for it to go on automatically to red.
0: Well, you know there is an Apple event happening mere hours after we re- release this episode. No on way. Monday the fifth, and they'll talk about the next version of Watch OS. And okay. I, I had somebody, somebody on like Twitter or Mastodon or something, I saw it, was saying, I really hope that Apple stops with these divergent version numbers. Uh, for their three major operating systems soon to be well f- you know four if you count apple tv and five if you count reality os right um like can we just if you're gonna still keep releasing new versions every year and i i you've heard my argument about how i i really don't i as a user would prefer they didn't update mac os every year but if they're gonna right. bother doing it every year just call it ios 2023 like right please please Then And then we'll have watchOS 23 and macOS 23. And then you know, like, oh, do I have all the the continuity features that work with it? Well, yes, they're all running the same OS, not wait. uh, So it's macOS uh, 13 and iOS 16 and watchOS. I I don't even know what version watchOS we're on off the top of my head. And that's crazy to say that.
1: I did did 16 something, I think, but that's a wild guess right now.
0: I don't think we're on watchOS 16. I think we're on watchOS 8 or 9. I don't have my watch on. I took it off.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm thinking iOS. Right. See See what I mean? Right. There's the problem. Therein lies the problem. I've
0: been doing this for decades. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like, I feel like I did during the Performa days of Apple's uh, history where people would ask, which model Mac should I buy? And I would like throw up my arms and run screaming from their home because I had no idea what models were even out that day, let alone which one was the right one for them. It was... Give them
1: a version of Mac Tracker and say go to town.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think Mac Tracker existed, but maybe that's why Mac Tracker exists is because of that. All right. Yeah, well, Quick tips one. are not happening so quickly today. Oh, okay, but let's go quicker. No, no, no. This is <laughs> like we're having a good conversation. I like it. I was uh, just the other thing
1: I was gonna say then, as long as we're on that, is you know who had a good run with that with it was Mac OS 10 for a long time. And therefore Ken Ray had Mac OS. Ken. That's which is still his show. Yes. But the OS have moved. The the
0: reference (laughs) is lost. Yes. That's right. Ken,
1: You need to change your name, sir. Yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He just needs to be a symbol now. He's going to be like the artist formerly known (laughs) known as as Mac OS (laughs) Ken. I'll let him know that he'll like that. Uh, all right. Uh, a great show to listen to a great daily show. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. You want to take us to the next uh, quick tip? Uh, that would be Porthos John,
1: as I recall. Yes. So this goes back a couple of weeks to uh I think Nick, just last wrote week. In, but uh, anyway,
0: yeah, it doesn't matter. That's
1: what I meant. Okay. Uh, who wrote in asking about how to replace the space preceding the punctuation. In his work, and and the best I could come up with was find and replace. And Porthos John in Discord listened, and he wrote in and said, "Hey, guys, f- use regular expressions. Fire up your chat bot of choice, like Chat GPT, and ask for a regular expression, and take that and <sighs> put it into your uh, shortcuts app, and tell it to replace text, and, and use that." Go to the show notes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> you know, the,
1: I'm not trying to describe it. It would just be pointless he, to everybody, but no, he you, has a way to create a shortcut. Yeah. That will do exactly that. And it was brilliant. I was like, I didn't even think of shortcuts.
0: No. And, and regular expressions like this is the thing that regular expressions are really good at. I am p- petrified of regular expressions as you all know, but now we have chat GPT to tell me what regular expressions are. The problem is of course, Because I'm petrified of them, I don't really know how they work. Like, I can figure it out. I have figured it out, but every time I feel like I'm starting at zero. And so I just trust that Chat GPT gives me a correct regular expression because it's so confident. And sometimes it's strong and wrong. And, uh, but the good news is it's not like a dangerously strong and wrong. I just try it. And it's like, well, that didn't work. But uh, I think in this case, the one that, that uh, is in the Discord chat does work. And so, you know, you get to, uh, you get to do that. Yeah, uh, um, and the
1: one that worked for me was a quick JavaScript. Throw it into a <sighs> onto a web page, and I got it to go and figure out whether it was using iOS or Android, and to take it to the appropriate app
0: to subscribe to a podcast. Love it, love it. All yeah. right. So uh, for us oh. non-programmers,
1: ChatGPT can help you learn.
0: Oh yeah, even for us programmers, like I've yeah. used ChatGPT to write like you know what I'll call the the. The sort of grunt code, the stuff, it's like, oh, I got to go and write that thing that I've sort of written before, but I can't just copy and paste from something else. Like, I got to write it out. It's like, no, it's great for that kind of code. It's great for configuration files on servers. Like I, the other day, I needed to write something for a new site for our Nginx or an existing site, but a new functionality for it on our Nginx server. And I'd done it before. But again, it's like, well, I don't do it often enough to have it in my head. So I started heading down the path of like, okay, let me, you know, research. What does this one do? What does that one do? Let me find examples of things similar and then try and adapt them and hopefully not break everything. And one of my business partners, Ryan, was like, uh, hey, uh, just ask ChatGPT. I was like, oh, right. And I did. And it gave me the config file. And I looked at it and I showed it to him. He's like, yeah, that that looks right. I'm like, same. And or he says, I think that looks right because we were both in the same boat and uh pasted it into the config file restarted nginx and bob's your uncle it's good to go so there you go. yeah it yeah it's it's really it's helpful with with the right things it is fantastic and as we've said many times on this show the trick is finding the right things and that's one of the reasons we keep sharing examples of where we have successfully and unsuccessfully used it because that helps the hive mind. And if you have examples like this where you have successfully or unsuccessfully used it, feedback at MacGeekab.com. Whoa. Where? To, to us? Feedback at MacGeekab.com. Yeah, it's an address I created a long time ago, Pete. I don't know if you um, were around, but it's feedback at MacGeekab.com. Okay. Yeah.
1: And yeah. we'll see that there, I presume. Because, That's right. You know,
0: yeah, it comes and to I us. even
1: learned how to uh, respond from that I, again I to ta- <laughs> talk. I want to talk that about that a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, we will.
0: Um, Gary sent in a list of eight fixes for unejectable drives on your Mac. Uh, it's from MakeUseOf.com, and it's got it's got some decent uh, you know decent suggestions. I, it, some of them are sort of like wait a moment, then try again, and that's actually a pretty good suggestion. <laughs> like you know, but emptying the trash, force ejecting the drive, relaunching Finder using terminal to do it. And of course, the the link for this is in the show notes, so you'll be able to to see these as well. But thank you for sending that through Gary. It's uh, it's good stuff. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah? I love it. It's great. One last quick tip? Yeah?
1: Uh sorry, Dave. Uh, it's
0: okay. I lost my place. <laughs> That's all right. I, I got it. Uh, it's from oh. Cdub559 it here yep. in uh in Discord. We were talking a few episodes ago in 981 about uh, checking your data usage in the iPhone settings app. And we were talking about how some carriers will automatically reset this for you and some will not. And uh, C-Dub says, uh, from recent experience migrating two of my kids to Mint Mobile, I can confirm a couple of statements. My wife and I stayed on T-Mobile to take advantage of the 55 plus pricing and on our phones, the T-Mobile phones, cellular data app resets every month on their billing cycle date automatically. Um, he says, because I have to track my kids data to right size their specific Mint mobile plans while on the initial three months of service before the annual renewal, I had to manually reset their data cycle when the billing cycle reset. and And that's true. Like if you want to do it that way. That is the way to do it. The other way to do it, the way I've done it, um, is I figure, yes, it's good to uh, sort of audit what the carrier is recording as your mobile data. But your phone is not the uh, the definitive source, right? The, the carrier's calculation for this is the definitive source. <laughs> it doesn't it, matter what
1: your phone says, it, you're going to pay what they say. You're going to pay what they say. If
0: you want to argue with them, then using your phone is great. But otherwise, like, yeah. you know, so... Um, what I do as manager of our Mint family plan is um I have a re- recurring task, a recurring reminder uh, set up on my you know iCloud thing uh on the last day of our Mint month and I go into the Mint webpage or you can do it on the app too and I log what Mint is showing each of us to have used on that day. So there's another 24 to 36 hours left by the time I do this each month. But it gets me close, right? And sure. uh, and then that way, I'm able to really kind of uh you know I I and I logged it for every month that we've had mint, and so in fact, just last week, we reset like the end of May was our our reset point, and so uh I knew that a mint had had bumped up the size of their plans, and I knew my son wasn't using more than his new you know he didn't need the new plan that he was going to be on so we were able to ratchet him back but uh, you know it's nice to look every year and be like okay yep just like as uh as as Dub said right sizing those plans is a good thing you know pete when you see someone who's just so good at what they do it's like watching a juggler on a unicycle juggling flaming torches while singing bohemian rhapsody
1: That's quite the image, Dave. Uh, At least they aren't juggling chainsaws because that would be dangerous. But you're right. Whether it's a waiter skillfully balancing a tray of sizzling fajitas on one hand or a chef running a kitchen so smoothly that even Gordon Ramsay wouldn't dare
0: to utter a word. You just know you're in good hands. Exactly, Pete. And you know that feeling when you find the right doctor? You feel heard. You feel at ease.
1: Well, that's where ZocDoc comes in, Dave finding a doctor that's right for you is as seamless as a magician pulling a rabbit out of a hat, except the rabbit is quality medical care.
0: (laughs) Well put Pete. Here's something you'll want to hear folks. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance are available when you need them and treat almost every condition under the sun.
1: You know, surprise twists might work for podcasts, but maybe not so much for medical care with ZocDoc. There are no alarms and no surprises.
0: Imagine this, folks. You get to choose from thousands of patient-reviewed doctors and specialists, browse doctor profiles, upload and verify your insurance information, and get the care you need. It's like having a personal assistant for your health.
1: I couldn't agree more, Dave. So, folks, don't wait. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MGG and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within
0: 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash M-G-G, ZocDoc slash M-G-G. And our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode.
1: Hey, next up, our sponsor Collide has some big news. If you're an Okta user, they can get your entire fleet up to 100% compliance.
0: Yeah, and the way they do it is if a device isn't compliant, the user can't log into your cloud apps until they've fixed the problem. It's that simple.
1: Collide patches one of the major holes in zero-trust architecture. Device compliance.
0: Without Collide, IT struggles to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date.
1: Unsecured devices are logging into your company's
0: apps because there's nothing there to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication and it's built to work seamlessly with Okta.
1: The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set time they're blocked.
0: It's so cool, Pete. Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance.
1: How do you get it? Visit Collide.com slash MGG to learn more or to book a demo.
0: That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash MGG. And our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. And
1: while we're here, Dave, they say the average podcast listener has six shows in their rotation.
0: And we've got a recommendation that's sure to knock your socks off.
1: Introducing the Jordan Harbinger Show. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, athletes, authors, scientists, even spies and hostage negotiators.
0: And Jordan, he's got this knack for getting his guests to spill the beans, unheard stories, thought-provoking insights, you name it.
1: He's like a wisdom dentist, Dave. He extracts those (laughs) Bits of knowledge without fail. But instead of giving you a lollipop, he gives you something even sweeter. A more informed worldview.
0: That's right, Pete. You can't go wrong with adding the Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting, and there's never a dull show.
1: So just search for the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B is in Bravo, I-N is in November, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: And thanks to Jordan for doing this swap with us. All right. Uh, shall we take ourselves to cool stuff found? We've got some, we've got some quick cool stuff found, I and mean, then we might get some longer ones later. You want to take us to Zach? Absolutely,
1: yeah. So Zach wrote in. Uh, I bet he never thought he'd be heard from again. He wrote in back in February, going back to show 968. He said... Hi, MacGeekGab team. I just wanted to chime in on the Apple TV Dolby Atmos thing. The Apple TV only supports lossy Dolby Atmos, a.k.a. the type of Atmos streaming services used. The Apple TV does not support lossless Dolby Atmos at all, and that would require Apple enabling audio pass-through like the NVIDIA Shield has. Unfortunately, as you said, uh, Plex, uh, Plex... Sorry, it's Plex support for the ATV Apple TV for even lossy Atmos uh, that streaming services use is not well supported. But you can use the app Infuse as a Plex client and connect it to your Plex server, and this will allow you to play play Atmos on the
0: Apple TV. I like it. That's really yeah. smart. I yeah, Infuse is a it's an interesting app. It I, you know it does more than. Like the native stuff that it would point to, that like you would think that the Plex right. app, that Infuse couldn't do more with literally the same data, but obviously
1: the answer it, is yes. It seems yes. to.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. I haven't put that on my new computer yet. I think I got VLC player on there, which is also yep another uh, thing that will play almost anything. Yes.
0: Yes, <laughs> and then for some. sure. Yeah, To yeah. include
1: M3U files. I didn't know that. Oh. VLC player will play the- M3U files.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to test them before you add them to like channels or whatever. Uh, using your M3U yeah. player, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, good stuff. Yeah, uh, I Next know. Next up what... was uh, who was that? Was Pen- it Pensacola, Pensacola Craig, Craig. Yeah. yeah. Pensacola Craig sent in something he said, uh, when looking out to find out the dimensions of a vintage iMac lampshade G4 that I recently acquired. Uh, I stumbled upon this very interesting site called dimensions.com, which has a wealth of very professional drawings, including 3D on so much stuff. So if you need to know the dimensions of something, dimensions.com could very well be the home that you want to visit for this. I I mean, there's just all kinds of things you want to like, yeah, mirrors and like. Toilet seats and door handles. Yeah. Uh, like like you know, you want to know what an American standard Maybrook urinal uh is, how that measures out? Like that might be I, a value. You no, know, I didn't, thing. but now I might. <laughs> well, like let's say you're you know, you're you're thinking about redesigning your bathroom or something, sure. right? Like yeah. you know, these kinds of things. You want to know what uh, uh an American bulldog, what its measurements are? I suppose average measurements because you know. You yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. So you know, bulldogs are different. Oh, that is true, Pete. Yep, that is true. Uh, so thank you for that, Pensacola Craig. Good stuff. And um, Steve Hammond, this one's been floating for a while, and I, I wanted to stop yeah. it from floating uh, over in the uh, the Discord group, which is at MacGeekUp.com slash Discord. Steve told us about something called docker iCloud PD. As you might guess, this is the Docker instance. If you're really thinking, you might guess what it does. It is an instance to use to sync your iCloud photo library to a folder on whatever device you have it on. And while the link for this is in the show notes, also in the show notes are instructions to install Docker iCloud PD on your Synology. So this is it's certainly for a geeky afternoon of fun I have not done this yet, but uh, now that I've put it in the show, I won't keep forgetting about it. And like, I'll see it at a time where I actually use our show notes, much like you folks do, to like look at things that you have mentioned. I mean, sometimes if it's something quick, like dimensions or whatever, I I looked at that before we put it in the show. I looked at this too, but I haven't gone and like spent the afternoon or the hour or whatever it is to like dig in and do it. But I love this idea because. Right now, I am getting my iCloud photo library to my Synology by syncing it down to my Mac and then syncing from my Mac to the Synology. And that's fine, but it requires me to say, you know, download originals to my Mac. If I was someone who only had a laptop, didn't have a desktop Mac, that path might not work, and I know that involves a lot of you, but if you've got a Synology that you would want to put this stuff on anyway, well, wouldn't it be better to just slurp it down? I hope Apple's retirement of photo stream doesn't break this. I don't think it will based on what I've seen, but oh, I can't yeah. I can't say that for sure, but it's a pretty cool thing. So uh yeah. So could
1: Can I take us down a quick rabbit
0: hole? Can I stop you? (laughs) I think we just, I think we just
1: did. (laughs) Here we are in this rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, And forgive me if I've asked this before. I think I did, but could you briefly describe again what Docker is? I actually installed it once on my, I think it on my, on my MIDI to to get channels to run. And you went, yeah, you're doing it wrong, Pete.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I will try. I don't have any notes on this. I think the last time we did this, I had written notes because it's (laughs) one of these conversations that can get very convoluted very quickly.
1: I'm just looking for a brief overview, like a shell or a sandbox or
0: a... So think of it like a, like you would a virtual machine, right? Yeah. So if you were going to install a a virtual machine, you know, on your, uh, you know, on your Mac, let's say, to run a different version of Mac OS. It would be its own complete full environment that you would install You Mac OS Ventura into and then you would install apps to it. And maybe you'd have a folder that's shared between your virtual machine and your non-virtual machine so that you could get stuff in and out. But otherwise, it's like its own thing. And it would take up all the space that it needs to take up for a full install of the operating system and all of that good stuff, right? So Docker is like virtual machines, but super lightweight. They are built to be very specific to their task and don't include all of the sort of default operating system stuff. They inherit some from the host operating system. They also, because you're building it to do just like, like this one, does one thing. So it doesn't need all the resources that it would need to do anything but it think of it you know on your Synology you're installing this inside of a a Linux box a Linux box Mm -hmm. because Synology runs Linux at its core so this would be a Linux Docker essentially that you'd be running and it would uh, sort of operate and inherit some things from the OS but lightweight low memory usage low CPU usage and like a VM often you will have a folder that your Docker can see that is also able to be seen from outside the docker and that i presume with this icloud pd is where you would be saving or it would be saving your photos so that you could then go touch those and do whatever you want to them from hopefully just read them because if it's syncing them down you don't want to be deleting them from there but maybe you do i don't know but yeah so docker lightweight virtual machine that is wholly incorrect but it's a good way to think about it
1: and as soon as you said the words "virtual machine," I remembered we have talked about it. Yeah, so don't get old; it's bad for your memory. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it, like, it's a good question. It's yeah. just it's a it's easy to get that because there is minutia, and and lots of differences that are meaningful. It's easy to get lost in that, but that's the right way to think about it sure. going in. And um, and I will say, Synology has a decent. Docker graphical interface for managing your Docker containers. Okay. Uh, oh, otherwise yeah. you're doing it just from the command line and that can get very arcane very quickly. But Synology's interface, it doesn't do everything. So there are some Docker containers that you can't do with Synology's interface, but um most of them you can and and you know kind of makes it easy. And so, you know, it's not yeah. it's not too okay. terrible. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like I said, I knew I had asked it as soon as you said virtual machine, but it makes total sense, and and that's good to know. I'm going to play with that one a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah. Uh, One last quick little cool stuff found that I want to talk about here is from Bruce this week. Sent it in and said, in the last episode, 983, you talked about dealing with Mac network names, system name from whatroot.net, Allows you to change the name of your macOS computer locally as it appears on an IP network and as it appears on a Bonjour network. And uh it, it's a pretty cool little thing because it certainly you can do this in system settings, right? And in fact, they address this right on the homepage of um system name. They say, why not just use the system preferences or system settings app and they say well that that app makes assumptions about the names to use for each component based on the type of machine you have and your username you may wish to override these assumptions and that is what system name allows you to do so uh nice. thank you for that Bruce yeah pretty good stuff um all right so there are um there is an apple event coming up um Pete i would like to on behalf of the whole mac geekab community extend our heartfelt thanks to you for buying a macbook pro this past week ahead of the apple event that ensures that we're going to see more powerful stuff coming out uh on absolutely yeah i got a macbook
1: pro 16 with the m2 max and therefore the m3 max will be out next week
0: actually i don't think they will (laughs) based on all the rumors it seems like what we're we're going to
1: delay it for something on the rumors i've read
0: correct I, i think Uh, We'll know more. And so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about the rumors because by the time this episode comes out, there's literally hours between when this comes out and when the keynotes will happen. And then right after the keynotes, we're going to do a special episode. We have a special guest coming. Uh, I will I will actually share who the special guest is. It's It's Jeff Gamet. Uh So Jeff Gamet's going to join me and Pete to uh, dissect whatever Apple does. We will do that on Monday after uh, both the keynote and the State of the Union, because we find that the State of the Union is a valuable thing to try and dissect and apply our nerdy brains to. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but we will How do that. We say Monday evening live stream. It is. Yeah, we'll do a, a live stream at about 6 p.m. on Monday 6 evening. P. M. That's yeah, Eastern 6 p.m. Eastern. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Twenty uh, two hundred UTC. Yeah, there you go. Oh, see, man, I don't do those conversions in my head anymore. But we we will do that. Uh, so, and I think I, I think that the laptop we will see is the fifteen inch M two MacBook Air is what I believe is coming on, on Monday. I know. Hour. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Sorry. No, I'm so, just shocked
1: you. that the M three Max didn't come out while I was driving home. Mm. Usually, that's...
0: <laughs> right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in setting up your new mac you there there are certain things that we use to sort of manage the workflow of Geekab, and for whatever reason we didn't get you like up to speed with all of that stuff well on, on a couple things yeah, yeah but but it wasn't <laughs> but it wasn't until a couple like a few months ago maybe 6 months ago certainly in the last year was when we really got you like
1: into the emails, into the yeah, emails for, specifically, yeah, for, right. For premium and feedback at Matt gab so <laughs> that I could get in and answer questions. But correct. yeah, that's the thing is that when I answer a question, you need to see that so that a, you don't answer the question and B you can correct me when I tell them, you know,
0: but, just, not not so much looking to crash that hard just drive right.
1: and you'll be fine.
0: <laughs> like it's a conversation. Sometimes there's like, sure. Oh, I have something to add that might be valuable to the listener right. and I don't want to make them wait for the show or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Right. Uh And so because we had done and there is a lesson for all of us here in terms of troubleshooting because we had done this, let's say, within the last year, I think it was even within the last six months. Yeah, but because we had done it, I made all kinds of assumptions about your knowledge level of what we did. And I'm using we very casually here because it was not what we did. Well, I watched you do it that's right i sat there and watched you do it and i I learned
1: by doing and i learned by repetition there's no doubt about it yeah and and to be clear for people i did not use migration assistant which was i don't know if it was pre-show or during the show last week when we were joking about my sound issues and my camera not working i said well i need a new laptop so i went out and bought a new laptop and that isn't the only reason but sure i you know this i've been Jones, and for this m2 16 inch macbook pro for a long time with all the ports that it has and the power and the speed and that kind so my 18 month old m1 with two ports just wasn't quite cutting it for me and i didn't use migration assistant and i went in and i copied all the settings manually yeah except i forgot the email addresses from which i was
0: well sending. yeah exactly so it, the the lesson here is i did this on your computer i, I mean i yeah. did it over zoom remotely but it was not i did not guide you to do it i did it and then i made when when you were asking oh why isn't this working i'm like oh you just got to go into mail and add the email address and like i thought that was enough because you yeah. because in my mind you had done it before so yeah. yeah you'll get there you'll remember this and of course you'd never done it before i did it for you and there's there is there was a um there was a, a mantra that i used to have to really follow when uh you know helping people with their computers if it was something that they were likely to need to be able to do in the future. If we were just solving a problem, they didn't need to be there. I, I could just dive in and I would move at my speed. I'm a super impatient person. You might not find that surprising if you've listened for more than maybe 10 minutes. Uh, but, it, you know, I was like, I would be very quick and efficient with things. Efficiency is great when you're trying to get stuff done. And that's what we did with yours. I think we probably had limited time. It was like, all right, let me just get you up to speed on how we're going to do this. And, you know, I just barfed all this stuff onto your computer and it was like, great, you're good to go. All right, thanks. Bye. And uh, then this time around, you were doing it for yourself, but you had never done it before. And I made the assumption that you knew what you were doing. So there was this mantra that we. Would that I would say to myself when I was running computer nerds, we would all kind of we bought into it. It was there are moments where you need to sit on your hands and guide the user because they need to do it. Then if you do it for them, it's not going to help in certain scenarios. And, and it was, of course, up to us you know, to decide what those scenarios were. But in retrospect, I it would have been better if I had sat on my hands and let you do this. And not just me do it, but now you have like the next yeah. time you're, you're yeah. up to speed. So we 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 followed proper technique, just not this time around. But I know we have a lot of you who listen to the show who either officially, you know, as as your business help people or certainly unofficially, uh, you know, helping friends and family members. There are times it would have saved me time if I had taught you how to do this the first time instead of doing it for you the first time. Right, well, I, fair enough. I yeah. Like you know, it's just how it goes. And but even when
1: you said go in, just go into accounts and edit the email addresses, I could not see that that was a pull down. Right. But
0: well, if you don't know it's there, there. Yeah. like yeah.
1: <laughs> and it, it, it definitely wasn't obvious. There, there. Right. I wish there was a button there going, "Hey, edit email addresses." But yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They just offer it as a pull down. So it's yeah. just a, right. We got, it, we got it done. Yeah, we got then, it done.
0: Yeah. I, I was like, how is he not seeing that? I'm like, oh, he's never been there before. That's why.
1: Yeah. yeah, And I am a very visual learner, so I actually should have picked up on it when you did it the first time, I but I was also probably so in the mode fast. of, yeah, you know, and I'm not going to need to do it again. I hadn't <laughs> even thought about, right. you know, not, not using uh, uh migration assistant to,
0: because I think that setting would have pulled in. Oh, it definitely would have, but yeah. so would it, so, any other settings all the, that you have. Yeah,
1: all the stuff that was keeping me from
0: using my iPhone as a camera. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that working better so far? Like a charm, yeah. I just knocked on wood for us, so that's uh, that's not somebody at your door, folks. That's just me. <laughs> All right, um, let's do some questions here. Barry sent in a note. He said, um, "Is there any way that iCloud Mail can set a rule to automatically delete junk mail? All I can find is to move it to the junk mail folder." Spam sieve does not act on anything in iCloud. It does a great job of mail on my computer. So um, this is an interesting one. Um, I, I think the answer. I think there is only one answer. I mean, at first I thought, okay, well, can we set up a rule to do this? But I don't. But iCloud Mail nor Apple Mail let us set up rules on non inbox folders, right? Automatic rules. So I don't think that's going to work. Mail Acton, which is a piece of third-party software, part of Small Cubed Mail Suite, does let you assign rules to keystrokes. So you could set a rule to do this that's assigned to a keystroke, but you'd have to, like, go select all the junk mail messages. And the rule could say only delete things that were received more than 15 days ago or, you know, something like that. Um, But then maybe you could script that with Keyboard Maestro. Like, I started thinking about all this. And... As we were prepping for the show today, it hit me, you know, I think Apple Mail has an answer here and it does. If you go in to Apple Mail, go to preferences, go to accounts for your iCloud account and go to mailbox behaviors on the junk mailbox, there is a setting for erase junk messages and you can set it to never. Never after 1 day, after 1 week, after 1 month or when quitting mail. And I think that's going to be your answer, Barry. I don't think there's any other way to do that. Uh there might be. I would love a creative solution, but I mean I think that's the like that's the answer. So
1: I think you might be right.
0: Yeah. I I th- I think I am too. I don't know why it didn't come to me when I was first answering Barry's email. It's like, "Oh, like I came up with all these like crazy paths and it was like no actually just use the setting that's literally built to do this. What's weird though, and the reason I got distracted from it that I'm going to say, my it's my excuse and I'm sticking with it is most mail providers offer this functionality in this on the server side. Right? Like Gmail will auto delete junk mail after 30 days yeah. and I don't think you even have a choice in that matter. Like I, maybe you do. Uh, fast mail, which I use will do the same thing or, but you do have a choice. I can turn it on or off. Um, I, I think, and, and iCloud does not, I, I, that was the first place I looked. I'm like, Oh, well, I'm sure you just turned it on in iCloud. I couldn't find it in iCloud. So it was at that point that I went down the, well, let's see if we can script this path. I didn't think, well, Apple mail is the place to do that, but it's just interesting. And I wonder, oh, well, you couldn't do it online, though, right? I mean, you need the Apple Mail client. Yeah, but to. does the Apple Mail client only do it locally or with iCloud specifically, does the Apple Mail client send that setting up to the cloud and let it happen on the cloud?
1: I don't. Right, f- yeah, because but that's the question. Is it going to work on your iOS devices? Well, if you're or Ma- your other laptop. Or, yeah,
0: you know, but if you're it, yeah, if your Mac mm-hmm. runs mail often enough, like if, they're all going to see the same data set. So mm-hmm. all you need is one computer to do it. Right, you know, if your Mac's doing it, then your iCloud, your iPhone, rather, is going to see the result of it. It's not like it's, you know, because they're just syncing via IMAP or whatever. Right. So, but is it, yeah, but is it doing it locally? I guess it's the question you asked. Right, right. Is, 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 it, it, yeah. is it deleting locally and then just syncing the changes up, or is it telling the server, go do this? And I guess the way to test that would be to set it on one Mac and go check the other Mac and see, did the change reflect? There you go. That would be... I, my guess is it doesn't. My guess is it's doing it locally, treating it like any other male client, but you never yeah. know. You never know. Want to take us to Mark? Um, I can do that. Mark cool. wrote in
1: and said, uh, I hope you can steer me in the right direction with my MacBook Pro Retina 15-inch mid-2015, 2.2 quad-core i7, and all the rest of the... Uh, Details about that. In the past couple of days, my MacBook Pro will go to shutdown of its own accord and present the dreaded black and white multilingual screen. In fact, it just happened now in the middle of typing the previous sentence. Troubleshooting. He's gone to Onyx maintenance. He's booted the safe mode, disconnected external hard drives and peripherals, and none has been efficacious. Word of the day. Console shows no crash reports, but I really wouldn't know what to do if there was one. I feel your pain, Mark. Uh, I suppose the next step would be to nuke and pave, but I thought I would seek the wisdom of the oracles before I take that step. Now we're oracles, Dave.
0: Uh, was he talking about us or did we <laughs> yeah, accidentally yeah. get CC'd on this?
1: Well, there may be. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're more oraculous than I am. I know that much.
0: Oraculous. By the way, <laughs>
1: speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of the word of the day.
0: <laughs> oraculous. Yeah. Oh man. By the you know, way, I typed that into to the the like the show note the the living show notes doc that we have yeah. and it did not come up with it being a spelling error. Like wow. this might actually be a word. Rotro. What? <laughs> Oraculous it's in the dictionary, Pete. Like There you go. <laughs> Speaking n- of words of the day. Does it mean what we think it means? I, I would hope so. Uh, same. Um It's there. Why doesn't Merriam-Webster give us a definition? Well,
1: Dave, while you're looking for that, I'll finish that, but let me ask you this. What's another word for thesaurus? Just asking. Thanks. For a friend. By the way, kudos to you for the wonderful synergy and the informative, entertaining Mac Geek podcast. Thank you for the compliment. I wrote back to Mark and said, Mark, I may be jumping the gun here, but this almost sounds like a hardware-related uh, issue based on what you've done so far i'm wondering if the, this machine isn't a candidate to t- take and see one of the geniuses at the apple store who can run some deep diagnostics on it my first run maybe first run tech tool which i believe used to come with a physical copy of apple care back in the day but is available here now and i sent him a link to filehorse.com download tech tool pro yep. uh if you do decide a new can pave don't forget to make sure you have a good backup in place before doing it even then consider uh reintroducing only the date from the previous system uh not all the settings I don't know what all the, I said. only
0: the data is what you meant Pete. data data yep. for,
1: there you go thank you yeah and man I, so I was trying to say, yeah just trying to uh uh bring back your data, not all your settings using migration assistant yeah
0: for sure yeah 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 um data, I, I agree that th- like it this sounds like hardware th- there's there's too much going on uh and you've done all of the things that you know when it looks like i'm trying to think this is a mid-2015 so it right so it's starting to show its long teeth well but it's intel so uh, you know he listed the three troubleshooting things that he did one thing two more things would be to reset the nvram and the pram on that device right always and and the smc Right. So, and and I realize that resetting the NVRAM and PRAM sort of means the same thing. And I think on that machine, it actually does. There were a couple of machines where it meant something different, but um,
1: those are always. That's almost like Control Alt Delete. Reboot if that doesn't work. Right. Those right. Things, but are yeah,
0: simple. SMC is you know something we haven't said it in a long time on this show because we've been mostly focused on in on uh, Apple Silicon Macs, which don't have an SMC in the same way that Intel ones do. But, uh, that was kind of the, when it seems like hardware, but it's not hardware, how do you want to fix it? Um, that, you know, resetting the SMC was yeah. the, was sort of the path on that. So,
1: which is short for system management controller. I believe that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It It's kind of the, it's, it's really down deep at the base hardware software interface. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, re- resetting that might, would be certainly be a thing to try before you bring it in, but it seems like hardware, so do those things to, like, rule them out, but I would plan to bring it in. Um, Dang, I wish I'd thought of that, that's, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, well that's why we do this together, um, right. you know, like, <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 why, you know, when we started the show, I wanted like this. It needs to always be a conversation. And and to that end, I, I will miss having John here uh, very much. So, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, the show's been going a very long time. This is a natural evolution, right? Whose time had come. But I, I'm stoked that we get to keep doing the show for all of you. We don't take it for granted. I never. Well. I'm sure there's somewhere I had, I was, we were having this conversation in pre-show, but it, like, I'm very thankful that we get to, to do what we do. And I, I remain thankful for that. So yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. No, there's the things we don't catch and it's nice to, uh, to talk about. So yeah. Uh, where are we here on time? Oh, um, you know what? I didn't set the time. My apologies. No, it's okay. We're at 49 minutes. I got it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Kentucky engineer had a question. It's one we've answered. In the past, but it's been a couple of years. And he says, uh, I want to move my spectrum landline, the VoIP line, uh, over to my iPhone. How do you do this? And there's, well, there's a couple of ways, right? Like, it it depends if you, you truly just want to keep that number and replace your iPhone's number with it. If you do, then talk to your cell carrier and port into that. Right. But if you just want to save your landline number so that it's it's always yours, but you don't want it to be attached to a landline, that gets a little interesting, depending on where you want to go put it. To me, the best place to go put it is Google Voice because Google Voice is free and it will likely remain free. Uh, At least I have no reason to think that it won't. The trick, though is getting it there. Google Voice definitely allows you to port numbers in. They do charge for that. It's a one-time $20 fee. Getting it there, though, Google Voice, generally speaking, will only port from cell phones. So if you want to get your Spectrum VoIP line, your landline, if you will, into Google Voice, you need a middle hop. And T-Mobile's SIM or eSIM is the least expensive way to do it. It'll cost you a couple of bucks to get a T-Mobile SIM with that you can port a number to you port from spectrum to your T-Mobile SIM that you put in your phone. And then as soon as it is live there, you port it from T-Mobile into Google and then it lives in, and then you cancel the T-Mobile SIM. And of course you cancel your spectrum landline too. And that's the end of that. Um, You know, it lives in, in Google forever. And we've, we did that with our voice line, that I, that started as like a physical line from like frontier communications or something 20 Mm -hmm. years ago. And, uh, and we ported it in, you know, to Google voice a while back. I mean, I think we ported it to Xfinity first and then from Xfinity to T-Mobile to Google voice. And it's lived there forever. The one sad part is what we have used and still, at least at the moment use is the, um, Uh, It was the, it was from a company called High, but it was, it's a device that was, they were acquired by Polly and Polly is end of lifeing it. So don't go get one of these, but it's like the OB 200 or something, OBI 200, which was, I don't know, a $60 device when I bought it and it plugs in. It has an it has three ports on it. It's got ethernet power and phone and you plug it into power because it needs that. You plug it into ethernet so that it can talk to your Google voice number. You program it up and then the phone port on it becomes a live phone port in your house that you can plug into the system in your house. And now all the phones in your house are usable for your Google voice line. It's awesome. And it was a one time fee. And I think that was the problem because in order for it to work, Obaha needs to keep running this back end system that links to Google voice. (laughs) And they are shutting that down in December so, but that
1: costs money, and yeah, before, yeah, the so one-time to cost, fee doesn't
0: <laughs> doesn't cover it. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. So, um, but I, you know, so like, I mean, we still will get like notifications, and we can run the Google Voice app on our phones if we really mm-hmm. want it to ring on our our you know our iPhones or whatever. It's like it's going to be fine when it goes away. We barely use it now, but it was a nice sort of transition thing to you know to go from the, to to what we're currently using. But um, yeah, you're not gonna you're not going to get there. But so yeah. if somebody knows of a device that replaces the OB 200 feedback at Mackie I'll love you forever, but I don't think you're going to find it. Uh, like I I've, I've looked and a, a lot of people have looked and no one has any, there's nothing. So just as it is, I, if there's a Docker container that I can run, that would do it though. Mm, there you go. Right. <laughs> like if I could just have the software that Obahi had, like, I mean, I de- they're definitely not going to just give this away, but Maybe, like I don't know, maybe not definitely, maybe not definitely, yeah, I don't know, uh, speaking of feedback and follow ups in the last episode, Pete, we were talking about um unmounting volumes, and John mentioned using the u mount command,, yeah. and I cautioned that that might not do it the best way, the best way that I suggested was doing it in the finder. Uh, because it deletes from the finder deletes that mount point in the volumes folder and that was sort of the the origin of the question was you know we've got these uh lingering mount points and they're causing the drives to be you know space one space two space three well rob uh and i'll make sure john knows of this because i think he will appreciate it ron rob says uh I wanted to chip in around the U mount command. I can confirm that it does in fact, remove the Mount point from slash volumes. I use a shell script on my home backup server to unmount all five of the backup volumes on my backup hard drive each day. Uh, and I have one Mac at home. That's my carbon copy cloner. And he, he has this whole thing, but he uses the U Mount command in this and it does absolutely unmount them fully by removing the mount point as well. So it must be a Mac OS specific version of the U mount command, because I know on Linux, it doesn't, <laughs> but that's the beauty. And I really appreciate you following up with us on that, Rob. Uh, so yeah, feel free to use the U mount command. John hat, John had it right, which is great. Yeah, it's awesome. Yep. Yipper. All right. One sure. more question before we get into a couple of cool stuff's found at least. Yeah. So
1: okay. uh, Drewski wrote in and Said, uh, he, let me just read it. Sure. <laughs> I've had an ongoing issue with the first two cores of my M1 Mac 16 MacBook, M6, ugh, M1 16-inch MacBook Pro on Monterey when connected to my JBOD hub. Just a bunch of drives. That's that right. That Jbot is? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Uh, they're being occupied by various iterations of MDS, which is mated data server. Um, it's part of the spotlight system. And yes. Anyway, it's, it's pegging his CPU cores at a hundred percent. And he said he's watching it via iStat monitors and it looks like this. And he showed us a, a picture and yeah, he's pegged uh, no matter what I'm doing running handbrake. Doesn't even light up the cores as much as this does active activity monitor consistently lists processes with MD in the name at or near the top, but the JBOD consists of five external disks on a hub, including one time machine, which backs up the boot drive to external data disks, He says, I do not create or delete or modify files frequently enough to necessitate this level of excessive indexing. I I took some message uh, form advice and disabled Spotlight via the terminal command uh, before, but that seemed to do nothing other than prevent me from starting applications in Spotlight search, and the two cores still ran amok. Uh, How can I better troubleshoot and understand this issue? I've never seen this on uh, my other Intel Macs. Uh, I wrote back and said, look, it may be a little unconventional, and, and I know Dave will jump in here when I goober this, but try removing all the drives huh. and see if it's still happening and add them back one at a time. Uh, and, you know, when does it start happening? You may isolate a drive. I said, I think that'll get you started. And uh, uh, so he, he he wrote back. He says, I think this rabbit hole you sent me down, see, that's I'm good at that. Yes. and rabbit holes going, right, <laughs> uh, got, got me closer to the finding the issue. It has at least shown some interesting information. I ejected all the external disks until I got down to one, one time machine disk, and the first two cores continued to be fully occupied. As it turns out, this is a 6-terabyte Seagate externally powered drive that was split into two volumes, 2-terabyte two volume formatted for APFS, and the time machine is a 4-terabyte volume volume up, formatted for mac os extended journal i haven't the slightest idea how or why this drive was split that way uh, glorious results of a misspent youth and too many head injuries <laughs> there you go <laughs> i suppose i could continue troubleshooting by copying my time machine volume to a separate drive and reformat the six terabyte seagate and seeing if the presumed indexing continues still that doesn't really explain why these mds functions are also active uh and that's when uh uh, I, I, I run back and said, Oh yeah, we're, we're getting close. That's good. And I, uh, <laughs> and I can, uh, uh, admit to the former head injuries, but, uh, uh, I mean, the, uh, the, ugh, I can admit to the misspent youth, but I can't admit to head injuries.
0: No, no uh, admissions uh, will, will be had. That's right. <laughs> other than the one that right. you just made accidentally, but somebody it, could oops. easily carve out and use against you. So, right. Let's yeah.
1: get, get that sound bite up on Twitter. right Let's now. do it so. <laughs> right away. That's right. So, uh, and then he said something else about signature files in my new MacBook, and I got all that fixed, too. But you, uh, then Dave jumped in. I'm looking for where the response was, but I, it was essentially, don't when index I, your backup volume.
0: Yeah, when I see MDS issues like this, and and by the way, thank you, 18 years of doing this show, I never knew what MDS stood for in all of those uh those you know in in all those process names metadata store server you are correct that is uh what it what at least what um you know what what the internet says so it's got to be right google foo says it is yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so thank you for that i learned a thing um time machine volumes are often an issue with spotlight when they are mounted uh obviously when they're unmounted they shouldn't be an issue with spotlight uh so making sure your time machine volumes are unmounted and even Mounting them and then going in and excluding them from spotlight,
1: excluding them in settings, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. Can, can make a huge difference. So that, you know, that, that's sort of, it might not be the answer to the issue here, but that would be the, the first thing to try, you know, and that like I say on the show all the time, so much of our approach here, if we know the answer, we'll tell you the answer. If we don't know the answer, we will do our level best to tell you if I were there, here's what I would try next. And so we're just guessing here. <laughs> yeah, Well, but it's educated guessing and, yeah, and it's absolutely. bullheaded persistence. Like we talk a lot about the troubleshooting process that like, I, 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 I joke about it, but it's totally true. You know, that I bought my first house with bullheaded persistence because I, that's how I succeed right. at troubleshooting things. And look, it comes from learning as, as a kid, you know, I had a computer. We, spent not our last penny on our computer. We we did okay, but like it, we didn't have a lot of extra money, right? So we bought this computer and it was amazing to have this Apple IIc c in our house. And obviously that opened all kinds of doors and here we are. Uh, but there was no one that I could pay to fix it. A, I don't know that there was anyone I could pay to fix it. Even if I wanted to pay and B, I couldn't. So I had to learn, like when I broke it, I had to figure out how right. to make it work. And often it was just, trial and error, you know, like, let's try a thing. Okay, well, that didn't work. But I learned something from that, you know, that either is relevant to this or relevant to the next thing I'm going to wind up working on, you know, and you just sort of keep digging. So, yeah,
1: Absolutely. And yeah. mine was always, I'm not going to be outsmarted by this piece of plastic and copper and silicone.
0: That that's true. Yeah, when you know like in the 90s when a lot of people were getting their first computers and I was doing a lot of training like I became I I became the guy that I couldn't find, you know, the the person that could yeah. go and and solve people's problems. A, a lot of it was just getting over the fear of well, I don't know what to do and so I'm not going to try and you know to have me sitting there and you say that to me, it's like, well, I couldn't be sitting here if I if I had approached it with that that same mindset you know you're sure. there's very few things you're going to do that are going to cause irreparable harm and so give yourself permission to try a few things you know back up
1: absolutely you're not likely going to not likely going to break it
0: right. you can <laughs> there are some things that you can do that will cause irreparable harm you know yeah. back up important data before you start messing with things that you know that kind sure. of uh, like those practices Come from experiences they're not just stuff we made up, but yeah, 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 so hey Pete um I didn't prep you at all for this i do Uh-oh. you use do you use mastodon I don't I okay, need
1: to get on, I wonder if pilot Pete's taken
0: well, so here's the thing um okay. it's I guarantee you it's not uh okay. for a variety of reasons, but the main one is that there is no one central um. mastodon server, so mastodon is Think of it like decentralized Twitter. It's not Twitter, but, but it effectively, when you're using it, the the experience feels a lot like Twitter. Okay. So, you know, we'll, we'll get there. Um, but it is, uh, it is decentralized in that anyone can set up a Mastodon server. And I might set one up for us. I'll explain why in a minute, but at the moment I don't, but, uh, Anyone can set up a Mastodon server, you stand it up, and then you connect it to the network of Mastodon servers through a process that in the Mastodon world is called federating, right? So it becomes this federation of independently run servers that all agree to share data with each other. And so, uh, like, I happen, my main account right now is at Dave Hamilton uh, at podcastindex.social which is a server that Adam Curry and Dave Jones run from the podcast index. When I got back into using Mastodon, I I created an account in 2017 on Mastodon. The server that I created it on has gone away. uh, And so I can't use that account anymore. And I can't even go and get my followers from it because it literally doesn't exist anymore. So, so I had to start from scratch again in, you know, in the fall or whatever and was only using it, to communicate with the folks about um, the sort of podcasting 2.0 stuff that, that we've talked about and you know, the, all the new tags and the value for value and all of that stuff. So that made it, it made sense for me to, if I needed to create an account to just go create one there. Um, and assuming they continue to run it, then I could, I could stay there. So I'm there. Mac Geekab is at MSTDN dot social. So it's at Mac at MSTDN dot social, but like, once I'm following MacGeekGab, it doesn't matter that our homes are on two different servers. They're federated. It's instantaneous. Like, before we did this live stream, I pushed out a thing on the Mac GeekGab account saying you can watch the live stream just like we do on Twitter. Okay. And I immediately saw the notification in my Dave Hamilton account because I tagged myself and it, it showed up. So, like, you just have to pick a server. And there's all kinds of reasons you might pick one server over another there are servers for musicians there are servers for but it like some servers have different rules some servers have different capabilities some servers are private to have an account but they're still federated for people who have accounts there Um the one that most people are signing up on right now is a server called Mastodon.social, not mstdn.social. When I had to create the MacKeyCab account, mastodon.social was overloaded and you couldn't create a new account there. So I just created it somewhere else. It didn't matter. But um you can always move your account too, and your followers will move with you so long as the old server is up when you do the move. That's why I couldn't move my old followers. Does that make sense? You know, because yeah, that yeah. old server was done. So um But this weekend I decided I need to like I need to really like have a decent presence on Mastodon. I noticed a lot of people that I used to interact with on Twitter have have moved off of Twitter and are primarily using Mastodon. And I thought, okay, well, I can maintain a presence in both places like that's fine. It's no problem. And so I sat at our fire pit and, and I on Saturday morning and I got everything set up with Mastodon. But the first thing I wanted to do was to follow all of the people on mastodon that i was following on twitter or at least those people who have mastodon accounts okay. and the way that the sort of generally accepted practice is people will put their mastodon address in their twitter bio so that or their profile whatever they call it and uh and so you can go and like manually go follow that or you can use a service that i found called Fedifinder, f-e-d-i-f-i-n-d-e-r now yeah. It turns out there are two services called Fedifinder. One does the automates the process of looking at your Twitter. It looks at who you're following. It looks at everybody on your lists. And it can even look at the people who are following you if you want to follow. You know, like you you get to choose. Like it's all broken down. It's it's great. That's at fedifinder.glitch.me. And that's the one that's linked in the show notes. There's another service called Fedifinder that is a Dating service for people on Mastodon. You also might want to use that, but for very different reasons, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, as I as I was building the show notes, I'm like, wow, they changed the UI. Like they, oh, they must have rolled out a new version of Fetafinder. And I'm like, wait, what the heck is this? Like, this is not what I meant. So, and Lisa wandered in the room right. and wondered what you were doing there, and and, and, and she asked me, why are you on Fetafinder? <laughs> yeah. I never saw you on Fetafinder before. So no, yeah. Uh, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Um. So, uh, there are, you can do this on the web. Okay. Uh, or you can use clients, like client apps, as you might imagine, available for Mac, iPhone, iPad, right? There are two client apps that have gotten a lot of press lately, deservedly so. The first one that I loaded up is one called ivory, which is from the tap bots people, uh, And they have a, they have apps available for all three of the platforms I just mentioned. And they have a subscription or something where you pay 25 bucks a year to use the app on, on all of the platforms and all your devices. And so I started that and I, I have a subscription to ivory and I was like, okay, this works. It's great. No problem. And then I saw somebody mentioned an app called Mona, M O N A, which, uh, same kind of thing. I think their subscription is $15 for the year or something. So I signed up for that too. They have free trials for both of these. So you can test them all out for yourself. And uh, for me and the way my brain works, Mona is far and away, far more like intuitive for me. It does the things I want to do, the way it Mm syncs amongst the platforms. They both, if you were to compare a better price (laughs) and for a better price, right? But if you were to compare the feature sets of both of them, it would probably almost match one for one. I, the the one difference is on the iPad and Mac, Mona has a um, a columned view. Where as you dig deeper, like if you want to look at replies or whatever, you just start getting that in another column, which oh, okay. really yeah. makes sense for my brain. So I think that's a big reason why I wound up gravitating toward Mona instead of Ivory. But I, but they're both fine apps, and uh, you know you, I would recommend testing them out for yourself and figure out what what you like, and then. To wrap this up, uh, there is a service called topiary that also linked in the show notes that will prune your list of people that you are following based on folks that are inactive or have been inactive for you know, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Again, you get to pick and choose. It will show you before you, you know, commit any of that. So if you, know, you use FetaFinder, get yourself set up, follow a bunch of people. And then it'll tell you, yeah, but this person's never done anything, and so you might want to be like, well, I don't need to follow them anymore, and so you yeah. you know, you clean it all up. So that's that's my um, seven-minute introduction to Mastodon for you all. Oh, there you go. Yep. And guess what? What's that? Pilot Pete wasn't taken,
1: and on, I now have it.
0: On Mastodon.social, Mastodon. is that right? Yes. Okay. Correct. All right, cool. So well, now you know, it's taken. Now so. Now it's taken. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I may set up our own Mastodon server just because uh you know because that way I get to own it. But really I want to see what it takes to run a Mastodon server on my disk station because that's really kind of interesting to me. Um because I might be able to do it. Like especially with Cloudflare tunnels. Like there's there might be a way. So I'll probably mess with that. I may move my Mastodon home over there but I will put uh I will put our Mastodon um things in the in the show notes. So and, uh, yeah 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 uh, yeah, I, I had heard of it and I forgot. Yeah. So it's more
1: set up towards your interests as opposed to just the whole world.
0: Well, sort of the server that you choose to be on is like Mastodon dot social, which you just signed up for mm-hmm. is, um, global. It, it, it's a sort of general interest, but yes, like there, I, I do have an account on some Mastodon server that is for like drummers or whatever. And so you can just, you can choose to see only the people you're following or you can choose to see only the people on your server that you're on, you know, and, and filter it mm-hmm. down. So if I just want to see a conversation amongst drummers, I could log into that account and then just, you know, see it. Like, so, gotcha. So, yeah, I mean. There are the ways that it was built and conceived to be used, and then there are the ways that it is currently being used because people have have migrated there some people have migrated there from Twitter. I will say this week has been great I like all the conversations that I've had on Mastodon have been fantastic uh I, i'm I'm quite enjoying it, so nice yeah, so there you go yeah 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 yep yeah. um, we have uh a a few minutes sort of. Yeah. Um, and, I and, and there's a couple of things worth sharing. Last week we shared that, um, that AU speech, like cleanup speech thing, right? I, I can't remember what it was called anymore. Oh, the, the sound isolation plugin, right? Uh, yes. The Audio, yes, we did. Audio yeah, hijack 4.2 came out this week and it adds its own speech denoise block And so I couldn't do an A to B, like an A to A test, an apples to apples test, because I I didn't have an opportunity where there was a lawnmower outside. But I did do a similar test as I did last week using the same crappy microphone in my office from my webcam and the new speech denoise block and audio hijack. And here we go. All right. Well, here's me sitting at my desk going through the crappy HD Pro webcam mic. We I don't have a lawnmower outside, unfortunately, but I think we'll be able to hear it because here's Apple's AU sound isolation that we talked about last week. And now that's on. So we're hearing whatever we're hearing. I guess we'll all hear this together. And I'm going to turn that off. So that's off now. Now I'm going to turn on Audio Hijack Speech Denoise and we'll see what that does. Now that's on. It says speech is detected when I'm talking. It says no speech is detected when I'm not talking. So we'll see what this sounds like. Yeah. So I like they they both seem to work similarly, uh, based on so. on my ears. Can, yeah. Can you stack them? Yes. I mean, I do have them yeah. stacked, like in my audio hijack flow. I yeah. just put one after the other and turned one off and and the other on. Uh, I wonder it, what turning them both on. would I don't bring. know that it would probably be probably overkill. It would it, it would probably just slow you down for no yeah. real net gain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, you know, well, it's. Which, it makes
1: crappy microphones sound pretty
0: good better yeah exactly where where this gets where this gets really important is let's imagine that zoom adds the ability to tap into this right so anybody on zoom can say clean up my sound and i think zoom's already doing some version of this but you know say "Oh, oh i'm on a mac so i can use the au sound isolation thing that's just like as part of the operating system as long as you're on ventura go ahead and do it and like that makes a difference your phone your iphone when you're on a facetime call you, and you're using like the the you know the microphone on the phone you can set the microphone mode to use probably this au sound isolation it doesn't call it that it it you know it calls it something else but yes your your phone can do that too so now
1: my recollection is though we found it in I found it in GarageBand last week so sure. you can even use it on a post production.
0: Yes. And it'll work. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah. you're a, if you're editing, that's yeah, that's generally how plugins are built to be used is in okay. post production. Here we use them in real time uh okay. and they work fine. So like Zoom could do it in real time and does a little bit Discord has had something in it called Crisp with a K for a long time uh that okay. that does sort of the same thing. Uh it it's a little more I don't know, but it's like it's more noise canceling, not noise cleanup as much. But yeah. you know, it's it's like it's fine. It it does it does it like it's better than what your crappy webcam mic sounds like. So right.
1: you know that's. And then we talked about it earlier. Well, we I don't we may have just texted about it, but yeah, the Offonic. Dot com. I I used that. I played with it on my show, and it has what they call it a DSer. Okay. E. Yep. New word. E s s e r. Which makes my makes me sound much better. I don't like my s's I, the way I, my s's sound.
0: I would agree, and people aren't hearing your s's because I run a deesser on both of us here. Okay. So I will turn off the deesser for the remainder of the show, and you and can. She
1: sells, she sells by the t-shirt. Say yeah. that seventeen times. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I get
0: I can hear it in my ears that the yes. that the is gone. I, I'm going to turn it back on. I don't I don't like. Yeah. Uh, I don't don't, like, there's a reason we have good audio quality and I want to stick there. Um, but yeah, yeah. Like all kinds of things like that can, can make a difference for sure. Uh, especially for folks listening on headphones, like, well, the, the bouncy room thing that sound isolation and, and speech denoise cleanup are huge, I think. So, um, yeah. So, all right. We have lots more cool stuff found, but, uh we're not gonna get to it because we're you know running out of time here and we've packed a ton into this episode but maybe next week we'll do a focus on cool stuff found pete that'll uh, be that'll be nice uh, after the crazy apple event and i don't know we'll see we'll see how many questions right, come let in let me check my
1: savings account balance
0: yeah i know i know those episodes <laughs> are expensive but fun but we have like i have quite a few cool stuff found. cool stuffs found yeah. See, this is why the DSR is good. Uh, yeah. Queued up that are free. And we talked about some in this episode even. So, you know, it's all good. Okay. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. As I mm-hmm. said earlier, uh, I am so thankful that we get to do this. It's, I, I learn a ton. I sometimes feel like I'm being selfish because I get to learn the most. But, uh, you know, I think we all get to learn together, and that's really the best part of this. So I love our community. And I get to relearn things. You know. <laughs> yeah, well, same. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hang out with us over on Discord. com slash Discord. It's a wonderful place to be. There's a lot of great people there. It's not just me and Pete answering your questions. It's everybody in the community answering everyone else's questions. And so it's a great resource. There's about a 1,000 people, maybe 1,100 of you there now. I bet we can get that up to 2K real quick. So come on and join us. It's, it's fun, I promise. It's not like, you know, the... Toxic online communities that you see. We, we're a good group here and it's amazing. So, um, if you're listening to this show, you, you already know that. It's good. Thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. Make sure to check out our other shows. Pilot Beat does a show for aviation enthusiasts called So There I Was. I do a show for small business owners called Business Brain and another one for musicians called Gig Gab and uh, yeah make sure you check out our sponsors ZocDoc.com slash MGG as we mentioned and Collide with a K K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash MGG as well I believe is it MGG or is it slash MacDeca? I never can remember that's why I have it written you know yeah it's MGG for both of them you can always go to MacDecav.com slash sponsors and all of it will be there go to the sponsors yeah yeah um, uh, Pete, what, what does my shirt say?
1: Well, <laughs> yeah. so two pieces of advice. One is go to the sponsors and two is read Dave's shirt. If you're looking on video and if you're not, I'll read it for you right now. Three simple words, folks. Don't get caught. Made out of Later.